Hi guys, it's Ellis, and this is the Animal Excellency Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about fish. Fish were the first backboned animals to appear on Earth, and they make up the largest group of vertebrates. All fish breathe through their gills, and all are cold-blooded, meaning they cannot control their body temperature. They, like reptiles, rely on the weather and the temperature to keep them warm enough to survive. Also, all fish have an internal skeleton, which makes them vertebrates. Fish are divided into three classes. The first class is the jawless fishes, who first appeared more than 500 million years ago, before any other group. They were once very diverse, but now they are represented by the species of lampreys that are left, and there are not many left. They have an open oral area filled with sharp, thorn-like projections that are made of keratin, the same material as your fingernails, and your hair, and a rhino's horn. These fish do not have scales, and instead their smooth, slender body is coated in mucus. The next class is the cartilaginous fishes. Cartilaginous, that's a mouthful. All of the fishes in this group are carnivorous, which means they feed on other living things, whether it be small fishes and squid or marine animals, uh, marine mammals. Their skin is covered in thousands of small tooth-like scales called placoid scales or dermal denticles. They also have a tough but flexible skeleton made of cartilage, which is where they get their group name, cartilaginous. Cartilaginous cartilage instead of bone. That's what their skeleton is made of, cartilage. This class, the cartilaginous fishes, is divided into three subgroups. The first is probably the most well-known group of subgroup of fish, sharks. Sharks are excellent hunters with a streamlined body, powerful jaws, and several rows of sharp teeth, as well as acute senses. They're the most abundant in warm, temperate, and tropical waters around the world. So they can survive in colder temperatures, a little bit colder, but they prefer to be in warmer temperatures, as do I. The second subgroup is made up of skates and rays. They have broad bodies and wing-like fins that distinguish them from other fish. Their flattened shape is perfect for a life on the seabed, but some do swim in open water. Rays may go into open water, but skates will prefer life on the seabed. But rays will also go on the seabed as well. Rays will do both. Skates will not. They are found throughout the world, the world's oceans. And rays are more diverse in the tropics, but skates are more widespread in the temperate waters. So you'll find rays in hotter areas of the world, in the warmer waters of the world. The third group, the third subgroup is not very well known at all. This group is made of chimeras, ratfishes, rabbit fishes, and their relatives. And this is a very small group. There are only about 50 species, and they all live in the deep waters of the Atlantic, Indian, and Pacific Oceans. Their bodies are soft and scaleless, and are usually long and narrow. They look very unusual, with a bulky head and large iridescent eyes. I recommend that you pause this podcast episode, look up some of the creatures that I'm mentioning so you can see the images because they look very interesting or look them up at the end. But I think you should look at 
some of these creatures, specifically the ones that you may not have heard of yet, such as chimeras, ratfishes, rabbit fishes, and their relatives. The last class, those were subgroups, the last class is the bony fish. This class forms the largest and most diverse class of fish, accounting for more than 9 out of 10 species of all the fish alive today. Out of, th out of the three classes, right, the three classes are the jawless fish, the cartilaginous, and the bony. Out of all three classes, they evolved the most recently, but are found in almost all aquatic habitats. So, you know. Very impressive. All bony fish have a light but strong internal skeleton made of, you guessed it, bone. They also have a gas-filled bladder that allows them to adjust their buoyancy. If a bony fish burps and expels gas, they will sink. But if they grab air or uh, some other type of gas or oxygen or anything like that, they will rise. So they can control their buoyancy. All three classes of fish had a different ancestor and evolved in their own way. The first fishes appeared more than 500 million years ago, and they evolved from filter-feeding invertebrates. Then, around 440 million years ago, fish evolved mobile jaws, and then teeth soon followed, and then scales. Jaws and teeth allowed fish to feed on a wide range of food, a lot of food that they couldn't feed on before because they did not have jaws. All they could do was filter feed. These early fish evolved scales, like I said, and it gave them an effective form of camouflage. Now, these scales can help them blend in. Um, for, um, that's what camouflage is, blending in. Um, and... It could protect them from diseases, viruses, and even predators. So about 420 million years ago, fishes with a bony internal skeleton evolved. So these are the bony fishes. 50 million years ago, 50, no, 50 million years later, cartilaginous fishes first appeared. They became two distinct groups. They were the fleshy fin fishes and the ray fin fishes at the time. The fleshy fin fishes had fishes that were made of bony skeletons. These became the bony fish. This allowed them to evolve into four-limbed vertebrates, such as amphibians and reptiles. The ray fin fishes appeared at the same time, but have become much larger and are a more successful group. They developed thinner scales, highly flexible fins, and a symmetrical tail, to allow them to become efficient swimmers. So the ray-finned fishes stayed fish. The fleshy-finned fishes evolved. Obviously, some of the fleshy-finned fishes did stay fish, but some evolved into four-limbed vertebrates, such as amphibians and reptiles, which would then lead on to mammals, eventually uh, birds, mammals, elephants, us, right? That's not exactly how it goes. But those are some of the groups and species that have evolved because fleshy fin fishes evolved into amphibians and reptiles. Fish have several physical adaptations for life in the water. Their fins provide power, steering, and stability. The most common covering over a fish's skin are scales. Scales are plates of bone that provide protection and help fish move efficiently through the water. Eyes are also a physical adaptation. Fish that live in muddy water caves or the deep sea either have poor vision, horribly poor vision, or have lost their eyes altogether because they have no need for them. 
Why do I need eyes if it's always dark? On the other hand, some deep sea fishes have incredibly large eyes so that they can collect as much light as possible. However, there isn't much light down in the depths. Fish have also adapted different body shapes. Fish that swim at high speeds in open water have a body shaped like a torpedo, such as a sailfish or a mako, mako shark. Fish that need to make sudden turns around dense vegetation or rocky surfaces, such as reefs, um, have a body that is tall and flattened from side to side, like reef fishes, fishes that will live around the reef. Fishes that have a slender cylindrical body, such as eels, can slip into crevices to find food that is either inaccessible for other fish because of the shape of their bodies, or they can go into a hole or some sort of area that will help them escape from a predator, from a predator and give them protection. Bottom-dwelling fish um, that are compressed from the Top to the bottom, help them remain hidden on the sea seafloor. So when they lie on the seafloor, they are unseen. So there are many different types of body shapes. I just listed a few. Seem like a lot, but there are so many more than that. All right, let's get into how a fish is born and the journey that the adult fishes have to take. The timing of reproduction may be influenced by changes in temperature and light levels. Some fish, like salmon, have preferred spawning grounds and will migrate thousands of miles just to reproduce. Some fish gather in groups to breed, while others create, uh, participate in complex courtship rituals to increase their chances of attracting a mate. The one that does the best during this specific ritual will get to mate with either as many females as he can, or um, get to mate with the specific female that he's trying to impress. Another way that a male will impress a female is by changing color. It's very attractive, and it looks beautiful. All right, so now that we know how reproduction works for a fish, we're going to get into what happens after that. So a fish egg is very, very small, uh, depending on the fish, but generally they're small. And it's in an embryo. And this embryonic egg, embryonic, sorry, embryonic egg is nourished by fluids in the yolk sac. And it is a trans, some of them are transparent. Some of these eggs are transparent, not all, some. Sharks give birth in some do in mermaid cases, they are called or shark cases, um, or mermaid's purse. And they give birth in these little bags that look like what sailors thought were mermaid's purses. And eventually, when the time is taken for the eggs to hatch, and the water temperature is just right, these animals, these fish, will hatch. The eggs then release larvae, which are undeveloped, but will gradually develop a skeleton, fins, and other essential parts that make a fish a fish. In other cases, the eggs hatch inside the mother's body and are released as live young. Now, we know some other animals have live young. Mammals do, but we are well known for it. I said in the um, first episode that some other animals do have live young, but we 
mammals are known for it. We're the group that does it the most. You know, you'll find an odd member of a fish group or an odd member of an invertebrate group or maybe even a reptile group. And, you know, you'll find them and it's like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. But that's not what the majority does. The majority lays eggs. We are the ones that capitalize on giving birth to live young. And so let's get back to fish. Fish that give birth to live young invest a lot of energy and time into caring for their developing young, just like mammals, just like us. Fortunately for them, fish that give birth to live young are more developed at birth and have a greater chance of survival, just like mammals, just like us. After they are born, most fish are on their own, and that's it. They never see their parents again, or they do, and they just don't know if it's them or not. But they have no connection. They have no parental connection at all whatsoever. However, some species place their eggs in a nest, in a pouch, such as seahorses, or even in their mouth. And the eggs will hatch in their mouth, and the babies will stay in the mother's mouth for protection. These devoted parents will chase away predators if they get too close, and some species will even continue to care for their young after they're born. Some will not care for them at all. Some will care for them when they're eggs, and then when they hatch, that's it. But some will care for them far after they hatch, such as some fish that keep their young in their mouth and seahorses that keep their young in a pouch. And, you know, it's very impressive because fishes are not known for doing this. So these species that do this, that shows a sign of, you know, caring for young. And evolution has carried this trade onwards. And that's why we care for our young. As you notice... Mammals will care for their young. Birds will. Not reptiles and amphibians as much, but mammals and birds will care for their young. Um, a lot of fish, when they're born, or even before they're born, when they're still in eggs, are eaten. So what um, female fish will do is they'll lay a lot of le- eggs. Sorry. Eggs. They'll lay a lot of eggs. Sometimes up to a million, half a million, because they need to increase the chances of survival. Some turtles, these aren't obviously fish, they're reptiles, but some turtles will not, will produce so many eggs and thousands of females will produce thousands of eggs, but only a few will survive to adulthood because there are predators everywhere. And more and more are even dying off because of our impacts on the ocean. So that adds to the decrease of sea turtles um, reaching adulthood. All right, that's it for today. Come back next week to learn about the spineless group of animals that makes up 97% of life on Earth. Also, remember to look up some of the animals that I mentioned in this podcast because if you want to see what they look like, that is a great way to find out. Sometimes you are only able to listen, but other times if you are able to look something up or, I don't know, find it in a book, do so. A visual image is incredibly astounding, especially for these animals that 
are not as well known. Like um, chimeras, skates, even rays are more well known. Stingrays, but skates are probably not as well known. So look those up. This is Ellis, and this is the Animal Excellency Podcast. Be sure to comment and subscribe. See you next time.